Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is that parable from the Gospel reading about those ten maidens and, and their lamps for oil. We pay particular attention to these words of our Lord when he said, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus. On Tuesday, this Tuesday, the 11th of November, the people of our country again officially mark Veterans Day. With Thanksgiving, we recall the, the service rendered and by veterans all, indeed many of you, veterans who served in the various branches of the military or the armed forces for the enduring protections of the freedoms and the people of the United States of America. With this morning's parable in mind, I would say that if there's a people who know a bit about being prepared, I think we can safely say certainly veterans do. A veteran recently described to me how preparedness and readiness are paramount and, and they're integral in the every day of a serviceman, especially in camp. Daily, from before dawn, soldiers in camp are engaged in preparation, exercises of preparation, preparation of the mind. As they're conditioned mentally in discipline and, and in team building exercises, preparation of body is constantly physical training kept them or keeps them in maximal physical condition and physically and readily fit to be called into action at a moment's notice, tactically and operationally ready as constantly, with, be they battalions or brigades or companies engaged in firearms training, weapons training and cleaning and war simulation exercises just in case the call does come. They've got to be prepared. And almost like an icon, you could say, or a, a metaphoric symbol is their duffel bag. The duffel bag that must be packed and must be readied at all times in case it's time to go. Our veterans, they know a thing or two about being people prepared. Bags packed and people prepared, I think that sounds too a bit like those first Passover people of old. Recall them? And remember why the Lord told them to eat this first Passover feast, as Scripture tells us, with a traveling belt on your waist. He said, and your sandals on your feet and your, your traveling staff in your hand. Why? Because deliverance was at hand. Deliverance was at hand and they had to be ready to go. A people prepared. Preparation is obviously the point of today's parable. Preparation. The parable of these ten maidens. Some prepared, some not prepared. Christ issues to us this public service announcement Regarding preparation and readiness, frankly, for the same reason that our government agencies and disaster prevention agencies issue over television and radio wave their public service announcements regarding, for instance, earthquake and, and fire preparedness. Have your one gallon, one gallon per week per person per day of water all set to go. Have your, your boxed and your canned foods already on hand. Have your flashlight and your radio and your tools supplies, all ready to go. Why? 
Because when the earth begins to quake under the feet of the unprepared, it's too late to start preparing. We Californians know that one. Have your fire escape planned and practiced and ready. Why? Because when it comes upon you in the middle of the night, there's no more time to drill. You've got to be prepared. Christ issues this parabolic, his parabolic public service announcement for the very same reason disaster prevention agencies do. Because we human beings are prone toward complacency. And that's never truer than when it comes to things spiritual. It is a sad fact, indeed. As we consider it a sad fact, but a fact, indeed, that so many in our day, but in fact so many in every day and age, tend to be far more minded toward preparing ourselves, themselves, ourselves, and our families for life in the here and now than for life everlasting in the hereafter. Natural is the tendency to live life neglecting the warning that Christ indeed is coming to judge the world. Even Christians. Even Christians will often carry on as if the time's not at hand. Often will carry on perhaps living in a, in a why do today what can be put off until tomorrow sort of mindset. It's a foolish way to live. Now that's Christ's critique of it. Foolish. Because that's the word he used in the parable, isn't it? Foolish. That's the word he used to describe those five maidens who, who neglected to consider well and to ensure that they had oil for their lamps. Now it's hard to say what kept them. It's hard to say what kept them, those five, from tending to that all-important oil for their vessels. Because the text doesn't really tell us there. Christ doesn't tell us. It's hard to, hard to imagine what might have, except that I'd, I'd imagine that they're the very same things, the very same reasons that will so easily and do so easily distract us from giving our foremost and utmost attention to the oil of faith in our lamps. They're the same excuses that are so common that, that Christ gave us in that parable, the, the other parable that he told. Well, I've just bought a pair of new oxen. Remember these excuses given? Just bought a, bought a pair of new oxen. In other words, I've got business to attend to. Or I just got married was the other excuse. And I have family activities that keep me and prevent me from it. Or, or I just bought a new piece of land, a new piece of property. I've got home repairs to make. Certainly there are others. We know them well, don't we? Sometimes these, these tendencies, they make foolish maidens out of very well-meaning Christians distracted by this or, or by that, giving little attention to, to the regular replenishment of, of the lamp oil of faith. We might soon find ourselves, albeit so subtly, that we wouldn't even realize it, we might find ourselves with an oil shortage. And it happens. It happens when, perhaps at the neglect of the weekly replenishment of faith's oil by word and sacrament, one's content simply to, to think back on and appeal to that once upon a time baptism, neglecting the, the present and continuing nourishment of that, but...
But as one has well put it, isn't that like arguing that, well, I've been born, I don't have to worry about eating? I've been born and I've got life now, I don't, I don't need to be sustained? I suppose complacency too can be perpetuated as, as I might take far too much confidence in the fact that my name happens, happens to be on the church rolls somewhere. And yet in practice, I, I don't take advantage of the, the grace that God has, has given regularly to us. The Jews, remember the Jews in our reading from the Reformation Day? They appealed to that, that name association, the outward name association. Remember when Jesus said to them, he said, Remain in my word and you're truly my disciples and you'll, you'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And recall how they answered him. They said to him, Jesus, how can you say that we'll be set free? We are children of Abraham. We are children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone, they said. Paul reminds us who the real children of Abraham are. He said, you're Abraham's offspring and heirs according to faith. Not as the Jews, the outward association that they would claim. Again, Paul says, Abraham's the father of all who, who believe. Did you notice in the parable how Jesus warned against that, that complacency that might occur? That complacency of, of, of confidence in mere outward association in today's parable? Did you notice it? The ten went out, and they went out together, didn't they? Jesus said that five were, were foolish, five were wise, but looking at them, perhaps you couldn't tell who the wise were and the foolish were. And frankly, that's what the kingdom of heaven looks like to all of us who can't see into the heart what we'd call the church visible. Together they went out, but the difference was in what was inside the lamp or the flask, inside the heart, inside where one can't see. Some had oil, others none. And, and though they were all a part of the same visible group going out, those complacent five were, were not people prepared. Certainly one can't necessarily see the oil inside the lamp. But one can see how determined those wise maidens were in obtaining it. One can see that religiously they, they would have gone to the marketplace where that oil was obtained. Many would look at the high premium that those wise maidens put on, put on obtaining that oil and ensuring its plentiful supply. And they'd notice how those maidens would even take their own kids and their children by the hand and tenderly teach them how and teach them where to get that precious oil because they knew that they need that oil too. Many would notice the determined behavior and you know, you know what the many would say? They'd say, loosen up a bit. Loosen up a bit. Don't, don't be so uptight about it. Live a little. Let it go for a while. Don't worry so much about it. Don't be, don't be such a fanatic about it. That oil... That oil is for the weak-minded and the superstitious. You know what they say. You yourself know what they say because you yourself hear what the world says. When it tells you in all of its ways that there's far more to life 
than obtaining oil for your lamp. That's what they say, isn't it? But friends, isn't that about what, what the world said to Noah? When religiously he and his family, faithful family of, of eight, were pounding their nails and bending their boards and shaping their planks and forming the hull and preparing that ark. Isn't that the ridicule that he would have heard too? Nice boat, Noah. Where's the water? I don't see any rain clouds, Noah. You're wasting your time with that thing, Noah. It's a delusional exercise in futility, Noah. That's what they would have said. Friends, mind you, the flood is coming. Don't let the delay deter you. Just because in merciful long-suffering the bridegroom delays. In merciful long-suffering, just because he delays, never stop building the ark. Never cease obtaining that oil for your lamps. For mark it well. By divine inspiration, Peter tells us in no uncertain terms, scoffers will come, he says, in the last days, in these latter days, and walking according to their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? And Christ himself says, indeed in words just before our text for today, Christ says, as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. In other words, life was going on as life goes on. Life was going on as normal until, Christ says, the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came. Swept them all away. So also will the coming, he says, of the Son of Man be. So friends, don't be deterred and don't, don't be delayed in receiving faith's oil. Now where then? Where then do you get that oil? Do you receive that oil that your lamps so need? I really have to wonder if this very thought wasn't in the mind of the writers of our Lutheran confessions when in summarizing scripture they wrote this. Where do you get that oil? They, they wrote this. To obtain such faith. To get the oil, to obtain the oil, to obtain such faith, they wrote, God instituted preaching, the office of it, preaching, the giving of the gospel and the sacraments. And they wrote, through these as through means, he gives the Holy Spirit who produces faith. He does it. Who produces the oil of faith. That's how we are made prepared. That's how the lamps of our hearts have the oil of faith. He does it. That's how and, and through what we're made, as Paul says, fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Preaching and, and baptism and that sacrament of the feast make diligent friends and conscientious use of these things, the marketplace of divine mercy, where, Isaiah says, one who has no money can come and buy. Why? 
Because the cost in Christ has been paid in full for you. So you who have no money, come and buy and use and obtain. These things, preaching, word, and sacraments, ridiculed though they may be, though they are, by those who profess to be wise, they're these things, they're the things through which the Lord Jesus Christ delivers to you what He once won for you with His own life and His own blood on Calvary's cross. Namely, the forgiveness of all of your sins. Eternal life. Your salvation. That's your confidence. That builds up the faith. They're priceless things at no cost to you. He puts oil in your lamp. It's by these things that He replenishes the oil of faith within you. And makes you people prepared prepared with hearts burning bright confident not only in what Christ has done for you and for all in his first coming in his death and his resurrection but hearts burning bright with expectant and and with confident hope in what he's prepared for the faith filled at, at his second and his most and more glorious coming Confidence in that. It's said that the Jacobites of Scotland, the Jacobites, partisans to their king, it's said that the Jacobites of Scotland never, never met another on the mountain road, never sat down to a table of council or, or conference without lifting a cup to pledge the return of their king. He came. Christians, our King comes too. And soon. Now is the time of God's grace. Now is the day of salvation. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the one and only midnight cry will go out and the bridegroom will come to deliver forever his beloved church. And so she prays, come, Lord Jesus, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.